That was great. How many of you guys remember when that movie came out? I remember when that movie came out. Okay, I have to give you a disclaimer. I've never seen Toy Story 2 or 3. And so obviously I've never seen Toy Story 4 either. <laughs> but um, I've heard they're great. How many of you guys have already seen Toy Story 4? Good job, good job, you guys. Um, yeah, Toy Story 1, I remember when that came out. It was so great. I loved it. But I also have to give you guys another disclaimer. Now, this one might actually offend you. And if it does, you know, I'm, go ahead. You can leave. Just come back next week. You'll be happy. Jake will be back, okay? All right? But this might actually offend you, okay? I'll tell you who my favorite character is. Will you put their picture on the screen? Oh! <laughs> Sydney Phillips is my favorite. I love that kid. I loved him when I saw the movie. He was just amazing. The way that he went with his mouth, I was just like, man, that kid, he's so cool. He was just like, I just related the most to him. Andy, you know, you were like, your room's really clean. You're just so perfect, right? It reminded me maybe a little bit more of my older sister, right? The oldest sibling. But Sydney, I was like, you got a dark side, Sid. You got a dark side. I, I understand. I get what you're doing right there. As a um, teenager, my youth group always had a fireworks booth, you know, and so that was the way that we raised money as, as for youth group things. I don't know what we raised this money for. Pizza? Probably pizza. But um, we, we would work at this fireworks booth, and I worked all the time, and you would get to have fireworks at the end, which is why I worked at the fireworks booth. So I always had this chest of so many kinds of fireworks. It was so much fun. And so Sydney, I mean, that kid, I love him. Sorry, kid, right? So that was the guy. I like that guy. But Toy Story, what happens in this movie? We have Woody, right? He's the fun-loving um, little cowboy. He's Andy's favorite. And something happens, right? And, and something new comes into Woody's life. Buzz Lightyear. And it kind of ruins everything. It messes up everything. It shakes up Woody's normal. It shakes up his normal. It shakes up his life. And so Woody has to respond to that. He has to figure out what to do. And I think the worst part, you hear that clicking? Is it my earrings? I'm going to take them off so none of us go insane. I'm like hearing this sound. All right. It shakes up his normal. It shakes up his life. And the worst part, this is the part that I think adds insult to injury for Woody, is that Buzz thinks he's real, right? He doesn't even realize he's a toy. And so Woody, like, you've ruined my life. I'm no longer Andy's favorite. And you're delusional. Like you don't even deserve to be the favorite because you're delusional, right? We've all had this experience where we have like our life. We think everything, it's just right. I just got it. It's just perfect. Everything is good. And then something comes in and it ruins everything, right? It shakes up everything. It changes everything. Maybe it changes everything for the worse, right? Maybe it changes everything for good. Right now, I keep entering this contest from the Food Network to win a kitchen makeover for $250,000. I was like, that's like this, this, the, the value of our home. How would you put the value of a home into a kitchen? I don't even know how, right? But it, I mean, if that came into my life, that would change my life, hopefully not for the worse, right? It would hopefully change my life for the good. But today I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about how when Jesus comes into our life, he wants to shake up 
your normal. He wants to shake up what you think life is all about. And we're going to go to a strange um, book of the Bible. And you know what? If you have a paper Bible, first of all, whoa, whoa, whoa. Does anybody here, did anybody bring a paper Bible? Oh my goodness, oversaved. You guys are awesome. I brought one too. It's so, I can brag too. But um, if, if you brought your paper Bible, don't even bother trying to find this book. You are not going to find it, okay? I graduated from Bible college. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've worked at a church, different churches, I think since I was 19 or 20. Every single time I opened a Bible to find this book when I was studying for this message, I couldn't find it. Every single time. And I know where it is in the general vicinity, still couldn't find it. But we're gonna turn, we're gonna read out of Haggai. You're like, I can't even say it. I can't find it. I can't say it. It's a tiny book in the Bible. And this book, it's all about, remember the chosen people. This is before Jesus. But God has his chosen people. They're called the Israelites. They're called the Jews. And they live in Jerusalem. Well, in, in, in their you know, life in this time period, they have actually been taken away from their area. They've been taken away out of Jerusalem. They've been living in exile and their entire temple was destroyed. And this is a big deal. This might not seem like it would be a big deal to us in our day and age, but this would have been a really big deal for them, that their temple, the place where God dwelt, was destroyed. And so right before this book is written, what happens is there's 50,000 Jews and they are able to go back to their home. They're able to go back to Jerusalem. And God tells them, go back and rebuild the temple. So this should be their number one priority, right? This should be the number one thing that they do. And there's 50,000 of them. So you think it probably can't take too long, right? That's like a little bit less than the whole city of Springfield with one goal, right? You should be able to get something done. And so they, they move back to Jerusalem and they're supposed to be rebuilding this temple, which they would have understood how important that would be. But here it is 18 years later and they still haven't started building the temple. And they keep making excuses. They keep saying, oh, it's not a good time, right? You know, remember last year, all that rain, right? You know, remember the year before the crops? Remember this? Remember that, right? And it's just not a good time for us to rebuild the temple. And so God is not happy about this. And so he speaks to a prophet named Haggai. And then Haggai comes and he delivers this message to the people. And that's what this whole book is. It's his words to the people. And so a prophet is someone who God speaks to, right? And says, this is what I'm trying to say to these people. Will you go tell them? And then the prophet goes to those people. And if they obey, then they tell them, right? And so that's what Haggai was doing. But here in Haggai chapter one, we're gonna read verses three through nine. It says, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's armies say. Look what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. 
This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look what, at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. I, I love the words... I mean, I don't love them because they're sad, but I, I love the words that are used in this passage because I, every single one of us has probably been there. Man, I eat food and I wasn't, wasn't really that satisfied. Drink water, I still get thirsty. You know, I buy new clothes, mm, they're not that great. I thought they were gonna be awesome, right? I saved up, I went on that amazing vacation, I still had to go home and go to work right? My boss was still there when I got back. Whatever it is, we, I love the words that they use. You, you, you thought you were going to plant a lot and you were going to get a huge harvest and it wasn't, right? You thought you were going to drink and you were never going to be thirsty, but you were. And you know, I have this uh, funny object lesson for you today, and I don't know if how good you can really see it in a movie theater, but um, you can pretend if you can't see, just imagine it's awesome, Imagine it better than it is. But um, this cart, let's say that this cart represents every single one of our lives. So this cart is cart Kayla, right? This cart is cart Bill, right? This cart is you. This is your life. And so this is everything that has gone into your life to this point, right? So you have memories in this cart. You have, you know, your education in this cart. You have your hopes and your dreams for the future in this cart. You have your family, everything that makes up who you are as a person, everything that makes up your life is inside of this cart. And you know, so many of us, we live in this day-to-day -day where we think, if I only get to this next thing, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to be satisfied. Then it's all going to work out, right? And those, that, that could be anything for every single one of us. It's going to be different. Maybe for you, it's when I get this degree, everything is going to work out. When I get this promotion, everything is going to work out. When I get married, everything is going to work out. When, when, when we're able to have children, everything is going to work out, right? And, and when I finish season three of Stranger Things, my life is going to be satisfied. And you get to the end and you still have questions. How many of you guys already finished it? Good job. Me too. Okay. But we think we have this idea that if I get to this thing, if I do this thing, if I, if I, once I get here, then everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to be satisfied. And it's not true. Because nothing that we add to our life will ever satisfy us. Now, let's say this hula hoop. I only use the most sophisticated materials. As you can tell. This hula hoop, Evie told me to tell you that it's hers. So you all know, so you can tell her, your mom told us it was yours. This hula hoop, let's say this hula hoop represents Jesus. Please do not figure out the theological implications of this, all right? Just for example, this hula hoop represents Jesus. And so maybe in your life, you are a Christian, you're sitting in this room, you've chosen to follow Jesus, right? And so at some point in your life, you heard the message of the gospel. You heard the good news of who Jesus is, and you said yes. That's what I want. That's part of my life. 
yes, I agree. I want to do that. That's, that's it. That's what's going to be, right? And so for the majority of us, what we do is we take Jesus and we add it into our cart. And then as we find new things to satisfy us, we're still left empty. It's still not working. We still don't feel satisfied. And then we start to wonder, right? Well, I have Jesus also part of my cart. How come I'm still not satisfied? And my whole point today is to show you guys that Jesus has never been something that we were supposed to add into our life. And so many of us, that's what we do. Yeah, I wanna follow Jesus. Yeah, add him in. Add him in. Add him with my degrees and my bad memories and my good memories and my hopes and dreams. Yeah, just stick him on. Stick him on the cart. I have room, right? But the truth is what's supposed to happen in every single one of our lives is Jesus is more like right here. And when we decide, hey, we hear the good news and we want to follow Jesus, what we're actually supposed to do is be moving our whole entire life, our whole entire cart, and bringing it into Jesus. And saying, I'm not adding you into my life. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving everything I am. All of those pain, all of those hopes, all of, you know, my intelligence, all of my emotions, all of whatever it is, I'm giving it over to you. And the truth is when we start to do that, when we start to put our whole entire life and say, God, here it is. It's not that great, right? I've done my best. It's not that great, but here it is. When we start to do that, that's when God comes in and he says, man, why are you still holding on to this? This unforgiveness. If you took that out of your cart, you would feel a lot better. And it's in those moments, right, that we either say, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you with giving you this thing that you're telling me I don't need in my life anymore. And we either obey and we get rid of it out of our cart, or we say, ooh, I don't think you should have touched that. Let's get him back in the cart. This cart, I've, been, I've done okay driving it. I better just keep driving it. And so many of us, that's why we don't live satisfied. You know, I, I'm comparing Haggai to our life today, it doesn't exactly make sense, right? Because it's Old Testament and it's, and it's a whole people group and they have to build a temple. But what happened when God sent Jesus, when Jesus lived a perfect life, when he willingly died for us, and then when he conquered sin and death by rising from the dead, what was he doing? He was giving every single one of us the opportunity to have a personal relationship with him, with God. And so the temple was no longer one place that we had to go to when we had to have a priest who would intercede for us. It was no longer that. Now, when you choose Jesus, you are the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when, when God is saying right here can also relate to our lives today where he says, you eat and you're not satisfied. You drink and you're still thirsty. You're living your life and it's like you have holes in your pockets. Your money just falls right out. I totally relate to that, right? 
And he says, why? Because my house is in ruins. And he's talking to us. You haven't spent any time building a place for me inside of you. You haven't taken time to build my house inside of who you are. That's how God wants to shake up your normal. You know, for Woody, it, it didn't, it was like, no, my world is crashing down. But if you, you know, if you finish the movie, you realize no, they become friends. It all works out. Everything's okay, right? And his life actually was made bigger. And it's the same way for every single one of us. If you choose to give your life to Jesus and say, God, I'm not trying to add you into my plans. I'm saying I'm going to have an open hand with all of my plans. And I invite you to come and give me your opinion of them, right? And to lead me and direct me. God, it shakes up our normal. But it, suddenly life were satisfied. And why is that? Because this is what you were created for. You were created for relationship. I have an Alex Seeley quote, if you will put that up for me. But she said, you know, God's desire has always been you. He created you not because he was lonely, but because he wanted to reveal his glory through you. You know, I always hear that God created you for relationship. And it's easy for me to start to think, God must be really lonely, right? I must be pretty awesome. <laughs> he wants to have a relationship with me, right? What she's saying here is that he created you for relationship. Why? Because he wants to display his glory through you. He made you on purpose and with a purpose, for a purpose, for a reason. But you have to choose to say, God, I'm going to give you my whole life. I'm not going to leave anything hidden. I'm not going to leave anything that you can't touch. You know, when you have someone over to your house, maybe, maybe it's your in-laws, right? And you have them over to your house, and so you want everything to be a little better than normal, right? I just want to make sure it's a little better than normal. And, and maybe you didn't know they were coming, so now you're rushed. And maybe all of you guys here are amazing, and you're like firstborns, and so your house is already perfect, right? It's not me. I'm a secondborn. I'm like Sydney, okay? So it's not in any way perfect. And so, you know, it's like sometimes you have to start shoving things right? Just stick it in the bathtub. I don't care. We got to move it, right? Put, put it all in the, in the dishwasher. You know, there's like throw pillows in the dishwasher, whatever, but you're, you're hiding stuff. But so many of us, that's what we do with Jesus. Oh, it's Sunday. I got to get my life together. I got to clean up so no one sees this mess. But the truth is God already knows all your mess. He knows the extent of your mess better than you know the extent of your mess. I'm amazed at how long I've been a Christian and how bad I still am, right? Continually taking stuff off my cart and saying, yes, God, I'll get rid of that. I'll get rid of that. How are you still finding more, God, right? Sometimes I am. I'm like, why haven't you given up on me? Because I have my whole cart with Jesus. And as long as I'm saying, God, I'm all in, he's not going to give up on you. And as long as you listen, maybe you're here and you say, I don't know how to hear what God is telling me to do. I'm going to tell you, for me, the voice of God sounds like the same voice of my voice in my head. 
okay? He's never come and had a booming male deep voice like Morgan Freeman inside of my head. It would be nice, right? Because then I would be like, oh, it's God. All right, I know what to do, right? But it's usually just a prompting. Usually, you know, it's something where maybe I'm in a conversation and I realize, hmm, we shouldn't be talking about this. We shouldn't be talking about this person that's not here, right? Makes me feel kind of sick, makes me feel kind of bad. And I realize that's God saying, get, get that out of your cart. That's not me. You don't want that in your cart. As I read the Bible every day, I can learn more about who God is. And I can say, man, I got to get that out of my cart. He's not like that. He's not into that. So today I have three takeaways for you. How to apply this message into your life. The first one is simple. Just stop adding Jesus to your life, right? Super easy. We all do it. You got to fit into my world, God. You got to fit into my life. But that's never what Jesus was about. That's never what he wanted for you. So we have to stop adding Jesus to our life. The second one is to decide today to give him your whole life. You know, you can trust God with your pain. He can handle it. You can trust God with your fears. Maybe you have really big fears of your future. He can handle it. You can trust God with your dreams. You know, there was a time in my life where I had a dream for my life and I wanted it so bad. And I knew it was not God's plan for my life. And I would reason with him. God, if you let me pursue this dream, at the end of my life, I will be a missionary to wherever, you name it, the Congo. I will give you the last 30 years if you just let me pursue this dream. And you know what God said? Nothing. He never said yes. He never said no, because I already knew the answer. I already knew that he was saying, this is not my plan for you. And I already knew if I live this life and don't and pursue this dream, I think it's going to satisfy me, but it never will. I'll never have peace. I'll never be satisfied until I move my whole cart into what he wants. Decide today to give him your whole life. Give him that pain. Give him that addiction. Give him that hurt. Give him those anxieties. Give him those insecurities. Give him every messed up junk drawer and dirty closet. Say, God, you can have it all. You can have a plan, my plans. You can have my money. You can have it all. And the third one is take a new step of trusting him. Maybe you're in this room today and you're, you say, I, I, I do give God my life. I'm living my life and I'm saying, Here's, here it is. I have open hands, whatever you want. Every single one of us, no matter what, can take a new step of trusting him. 
all the time, I'm reminded of some way I'm not trusting God with that. I tried to take it back on my own again. And I have to say, sorry, God, here, you're going to handle it better than me. I trust you. What's one area of your life that you can take a step in trusting him today? Because that's really what it's all about, is us being able to say, God, I trust you. That's what faith is. I don't see it. I don't see how you're going to handle it. I don't see how you're going to take care of it. I don't see how you can make this work. But I trust you. I trust that you have it all together. I trust that you're going to make a way. And maybe today you're in this room, and today is your day. Today is your day to hear the gospel, to hear that God loves you, to hear that God made you, to hear that you're not a mistake, to, to hear that you are not just chance, to hear that there is a God in heaven who knows you by name and has made you on purpose and for a purpose. And he sent his son to live a perfect life on this earth, to be able to have a relationship with you. And today is your day to enter into that relationship. It's not difficult. Yes, it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of faith. But it's not, you know, a secret handshake that you have to know in order to get in on the club. All it is is saying, God, I believe in you. I believe Jesus was the son of God. I believe he rose from the dead. And I'm ready to pull my cart and give you my life. I'm ready to trust you with all that I am. If you're here today and you want to take that step, you want to trust God with your life, we're going to say a prayer. You can repeat after me. But I just want to tell you, this is the best decision you can ever make in your life. The decision to give God everything, to give him your life and to trust him. So right now, everyone, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're here today and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, would you just lift up your hand? Nobody's looking around. Nobody, you know, will see you. But this is just your faith way of saying, God, I'm ready. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I'm ready to make a decision to follow you. Anybody else in this room? Thank you. Anybody else? We're going to pray a prayer together. It's not, you know, a magic prayer. It's just a way for us to say, God, we trust you. Every single person in this room is going to repeat after me. And so you don't, if you made that decision today, you don't have to feel singled out because everyone is going to pray it. Let's repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for making a way for me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for loving me. God, I give you my life. I give you my hopes and my dreams. God, I pray that you will take my life and that you will use it. Forgive me for the wrong things that I've done. Teach me to walk like you. In Jesus' name, amen.